Okay, so I've just finished Wednesday's 5k run and I'm on the grass, which has just been cut, so I'll get wet, but not as wet today, but I walk on the grass so people don't think like I'm a crazy man talking into my phone. <laughs> Bearing in mind I run here every day, it's probably not a good image to have. So I wanted to mention to you today the idea of reserves, having enough reserves. I think my running time today was 30 minutes 05. I think my best when I was doing park runs was 27 or something. And you know how hard I worked to get that running time below 30 minutes. And then I was working to keep it below 30 minutes. And now I'm very, very fractionally over 30 minutes. And as I was running today, I sat out every day determined to get it to 29 minutes something. And I just feel sometimes that I don't have the physical mental reserves to do that however hard I push and I said to you in last week's mini episode that perhaps you know I do better surrounded by people that helps me to to go faster helps me to keep up and not fall behind because I've always got something at my side to measure myself against but this is something I'm coming up against in my writing as well I wanted to tell you because this podcast is all about the bad stuff as well as the good stuff and funnily enough, I'm probably always more comfortable telling you about the bad stuff than the good stuff. But I just wanted to let you know that last month was a reasonable month. It was about half the income of the month before. So it's tumbling, tumbling, tumbling now. And for the last two nights, last night, sorry, the night before I beg your pardon, which was what, Tuesday night? Is that right? No. Is it Wednesday now? I think it's Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah, so it must be Monday night. So Monday night, sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you'll be like me getting completely confused about the days of the days because they're relatively meaningless at the moment. Um, on, on Monday night, my ads made a slight loss overnight. Now, normally, I make my money overnight, so I go to bed, and I'm usually just pulling slightly ahead because the States is coming online. And then when I wake up, I'm usually, whatever I am, in credit, 25, 50, 100 in credit, depending on what my budgets are and how well the ads are performing. But I'm usually in credit, and I usually move that credit over in, on my account to pay for something in the future. So at the moment, I'm trying to generate in profit £100 that it will take to renew Dropbox in the year 2021-2022. I know that sounds ridiculous, but this is how I'm working with this. I, wanna, I want to sink and land certain costs, then I will start to play again and, and bootstrap. But I, I want to secure that two-year period hopefully before the two years is up. So the night before last, I actually made a loss at the end of the day, about £10 down. And when I do my, when I do my accounts, I, I constantly on top of my ads, I, this is the way I've, I've settled on it now. I work out how much money Amazon told me I made in the day. I always budget that as low as it can go. So it's a uh, glass half empty kind of view of the world rather than a glass half full I remove the tally of what my Amazon ads are costing me because you know to be perfectly honest with you who the heck knows what Amazon ads are doing I'm, I'm almost you know I keep trying them I do get I know people say cost doesn't matter but you know I can see that I'm making sales on non-fiction books I shift a lot of free 99 pence books but not at a profitable level because I can't track page reads I don't know whether those Amazon ads are making me money or not. So the way I do it is I work on a net principle, 
I work out the least I can possibly have earned from my books overnight. I minus a running tally of Amazon ads and Facebook ads, so I get the lowest possible amount that I can have earned. Now, of course, if somebody borrows a book and uh, doesn't buy it, I will accrue their money, that income, over time as they read the book and generate page reads. But I can't account for that immediately and directly uh, on an overnight basis. So I made a loss, I think it was Monday night, and then last night I think I only made about 10 or 15 pounds by the time everything was taken into account. Now I have reduced my budget severely because I'm really trying to get something going at the moment. So the other thing I've started to do, I was listening to the Six, Authors, Six Figure Authors podcast uh, at the weekend and I decided to give Australia and Canada a try with the same offer. Interestingly, the Canadian audience, which is still all female, mainly advertising to females still, the Canadian audience moans quite a lot. I was quite surprised at that. I thought Canadians were sort of supposed to be polite and pleasant, but I have all sorts of sort of moans, more than I have across the USA and the UK altogether. Actually, and do you know, I, I, just talking this aloud, I know exactly why. The moans have been, why isn't this available in Kobo? Well, of course, we all know that Canadians use Kobo, don't we? That's why. Uh, so that, that's why that is a sort of national... Uh, trend because the Canadians prefer to use Kobo. Kobo's bigger in Canada. So that's very interesting information then in actual fact. But uh, yeah, I've had about three or four sort of moans saying, you know, this looks great. Why can't I get it on Kobo? So there you go. I found my own explanation by talking into my smartphone while walking in a very wet field. All the grass is getting a bit bunched up now. My feet are going to get wet. So what I'm feeling at the moment is obviously we've had a great time with these ads. You know, the money's come rolling in. I have to say I've been in a state of nervous tension throughout, constantly watching the money. And as you know, it doesn't matter what money you've got coming in in three months' time. It's terrifying spending that amount on advertising. I'll tell you that now. You know, you constantly think, oh, that's a lot of money. If I get caught, you know, if I don't get paid by Amazon, that's a lot of exposure. So there's been this kind of constant nervous tension with this. But I have to say, now I'm struggling with the ads. You know, I'm not going to maintain that level of income. I always told you I wouldn't. And we need to pivot to something more sustainable where I'm selling sort of box sets maybe at you know 3.99 at a price where I'm pulling in some d- decent amount of money and I got a decent amount of margin on the sale I'm feeling sort of I haven't got those reserves I feel sort of I know this will sound ridiculous if, if you know you've not hit that five-figure income level before but I feel a little bit punch drunk with the whole thing with you know constantly checking the ads constantly making sure they're they're in profit and I'm not losing money uh you know, with the tension of this exposure of £23,000 an hour or whatever it was on credit cards. And they're all paid now, by the way. They are all paid. So the next two um, uh, Amazon payments I get is all kind of money for the next, well, mainly money for the next couple of years, uh, you know, for salary and, and expenses. Um, so I haven't got that sort of feeling of exposure, but I am feeling kind of punch drunk and a bit tired of it. You know, I'm almost tempted to sort of turn it off and just have a break. And I thought while I was running today, you know, it's the same thing. We've got limited reserves. I've got limited reserves at the moment. And the reason I got limited reserves is the same reason as my wife did three things yesterday and came back and had to have a sleep in the afternoon. It's because everything's taking more energy uh, at the moment with the pandemic on. Uh, my wife uh, went to Tesco, did a shop. Um, well, she went to the tip. Uh, we're clearing loads of things out, you know, in readiness for Spain if that happens. 19 bags of sort of shredded documents and papers and stuff the kids had thrown out. 19 bags went in the car. 
and she had to book for the, the tip. You have to book a slot now. So she went to the tip, went with one of my kids for a drive through coffees, a little treat they'd been promising themselves for a while. One of my kids is, is going uh, to stay with a friend and then back to university soon. So we've got all this kind of tension. We've got three kids having to work out how to get them back to university in a safe way. I had to book a, a hotel for an overnight stay to get the one who's just going to university back. We can't just pack them off on a train. Having said that, that's how I went to university. But, you know, these are modern times, aren't they? You know, we'll, we'll drive down and make sure they're all sorted out by whatever they need for the room. Um, and there's just a lot of kind of nervous tension around at the moment. And I think sometimes it's easy to forget how much energy that's taking. And it probably explains why we haven't got the reserves that we might normally have. So at the moment, I'm thinking, you know, I'm just tempted to turn those ads off. I just relax a little bit, <laughs> just cut myself some slack. But you know, my weight, I was 10 and a half stone, was I, around my birthday, 55. I'm over 11 again now because I'm not eating an excessive amount, but I am eating more because the kids are home, there are snacks around, everybody's at home, I'm in the kitchen more. So my weight's gone up. And I'm just feeling at the moment this kind of sense of all these things that are slipping away, slipping out my grasp, my weight, my running times, my earning income and that I don't sort of have the reserves that I need to fight it and get on top of it and I'm not beating myself up about it I had a run with my wife yesterday and I was talking about this we'd been watching um, This Is Us season four I think it is and Randall's going through all sorts of sort of anxiety things in that series and I said to my wife I recognise quite a lot of myself in that and we were just chatting about it and um, you know basically the bottom line is I and you, well, when we're suffering without these reserves, we just have to cut ourselves some slack. We're going to just have to work through this. It's like we're running on lower energy, you know, that the batteries are maybe two thirds full. They haven't got the, the power and the oomph that we need right now. And to a certain extent, we just have to accept that until things, you know, get safer, easier. Maybe we have a vaccine, uh, you, you know, more on top of the pandemic wherever you are in the world. But as I say, I think the big message here is you've just got to cut yourself some slack. We're all doing our best and just work our way through it. So there you go, that's a mini episode for today. I've got my breath back now. The trainers are soaked and covered in grass. Don't forget that I'm back with a 10 week season of the normal podcast diaries on the 1st of August, that's Saturday the 1st of August. I've got a lot of stuff to tell you. I've got a, a document in Google with all the notes in, things I want to tell you, things I've discovered, things I want to share. So prepare for a bumper episode on Saturday, the 1st of August. Hope you're doing well with your writing. Hope you're safe and well wherever you are. And I'll speak to you soon. Bye for now. If you've ever found this podcast helpful, you can now support my work by buying me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Paul Teague. Maybe I've saved you some time by sharing a new resource. Perhaps I passed some information on that you weren't aware of, or you may just like catching up with another author who's doing what you're trying to do and checking in on a regular basis. I prefer to use Buy Me A Coffee because unlike Patreon, you don't have to sign your life away to show your support for the podcast. You can make small one-time contributions, the price of a cup of coffee, or you can support monthly or even annually. The choice is yours and you can make one-off donations at any level you choose. So if you want to support the future development of this show, head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Paul Teague. And thank you very much in advance for your help in keeping this particular show on the road.
So it's 8.20 on Friday the 17th of July and I've just finished my run. I'm recording this inside the car today because it's not windy windy but it's blowy, there's a breeze and I think it will catch the microphone and be a little bit annoying to listen to when you see journalists on the radio with those big woody things on their microphones. That's <laughs> what they're for, uh, windshields to stop that noise. So I haven't got one of those on me today, I've just got my mobile phone because as part of the testing and experimentation I'm doing with this podcast at the moment, I'm recording this directly into the Anchor app on my phone. And when I stop the recording, it will go up into the cloud, into my Anchor account. And when I get home, I'll process it and push it to live. Now, when we get to Spain, if we ever get to Spain, I'll be able to record these on the beach and actually push them and mix them directly to live from my mobile phone. And this is why I'm getting used to the kit right now. Just trying to figure out what I can and what I can not do using limited equipment. I just wanted to pop in with one of these mini episodes today to let you know that in two weeks time, I will be recording the first of a 10 part series of the podcast diary. And it's going to be quite a long one, to be honest with you, because I've got an awful lot to tell you. I've been jotting it all down in my notes. So that'll be a big catch up episode. But I did just want to mention to you today that I hit a little bit of a blip this week. Now, if you've been following these mini episodes and just managing to keep up with the fragments that I'm publishing at the moment, you will know that over lockdown, I finished off and wrote in total and published three non-fiction books. And then I've moved on to a fiction book now. And this is the first part of the second Walker Bay trilogy. And this week I hit 65,000 words on that trilogy. So as you can tell from that, this writing 1,700 words a day, six days per week, a new routine for me, is working very well. I haven't missed a day yet. And uh, it's going fine. It's going absolutely fine. Absolutely no problems with that at all. But I, I hit a, a, a plot point yesterday. And I just wanted to talk about that because I think it's probably quite an instructive episode for me and hopefully for you too. So I'm planning my books now. If you've been listening to these diaries for a long time, you'll know that I used to just pants them and hope for the best. I had a rough idea where it was going, but no sense of the detail or the scenes that I was writing. And these days, and this is a habit that I picked up last year, really, I think, when I was working towards rapid release. I was just going so fast. I'm at that stage now where I'm writing one book, planning the next one, and then going back to the beginning of the book I'm writing and editing it so I can drop it off to Judy Cordner for an edit in time. So I'm in, I'm in three spheres, if you want, of story. And uh, you, you, you start to, you know those cartoon characters where, when their heads shake really fast and they blur, it, it gets to feel a little bit like that for a while. And then until you've, you've, you've dispatched the, the third book, you don't kind of really escape that. You're, you're stuck with it for quite a while. Anyhow, I have planned this book and I'm, I'm busy planning the next one at the moment. And I, so I thought I knew all of the scenes. But I wrote a scene this week, and um, it, was, it was a setup scene, actually, for the very last scene in the third book. So I got a really good, really good end scene in, in the last book plan, but I needed to set it up. And, um, and it's quite near the end of the book that I'm writing at the moment, book one. And I wrote the scene. I'm really happy with the scene. But I realised as I was writing it that this scene doesn't belong here in this book, even though I'd planned it that way. So when I... I'd written the plan when I'd done the scene notes. I, I thought I'd be able to get that scene done in 1,700 words in one chapter. That's the length of my chapters. And I realised that I couldn't. I needed two chapters to make the best of that scene. 
yet my story is coming to its climax. And that was just too much of a distraction at the end of the story. It, it interrupted the climax and the build too much. So what I decided to do was to pivot. It's, it's a good scene. I'm really happy with the scene. That's just not the place for it. So what I did is I took that chapter out and it's going to go early in book two. So I, I reshuffled my scenes in book two because at the beginning of a book, I've got time to take a little time out. Uh, and it is an interesting scene. It does impart information, but it needs to come at the right place in the book. So I think it's a really interesting scene and it has tension within it, but it's not at the end of a book. So it's gone, I've put it about chapter seven, eight, nine, somewhere like that in the second book at a point in the story where I can allow it to breathe. But that was not the right part. So I've had to do a little minor bit of panting. And so I've had to re-plan, reschedule those two chapters. And in actual fact, all the way through this book, I've been constantly overwriting the story. I've got too much plot and not enough words. And the other thing I'm really watching with this story now, I'm really controlling my writing because I want to control the cost of my edits. You pay per word and I don't want to be overwriting and overpaying on the edit. I'm budgeting these edits and I want to make sure I hit my target. Now I have put some wiggle room within that target, but I don't want to plan a 75,000 word book and through you know carelessness of not controlling my writing and my plot, hitting 80,000 words and then adding a substantial amount to that budget. So I've added, I think about probably 2,000 extra words upwards. So I could probably go to 77,000 on the budget, but uh, seven words on the budget. But I do really want to control this writing. You know, I'm really viewing it now as a widget factory, looking at the costs of the book of production, of editing, and budgeting that, and sticking to the budget. So really beginning to run it like a business now. So um, I've, I've come up with uh, two scenes to replace the scene that I had to remove, and that's absolutely fine. It was fairly easy to do. I just drew a scene out, and in actual fact, it helped me to see a connection with the other books that I've written. I needed a character to, to just, just insert a character who had barely even mentioned, he'd just kind of been there. And then I suddenly realized that there was a great connection with the final part of Trust Me, was no, truth, no, Trust Me Once Is What I'm Writing, Truth Be Told, the, th the third one that I wrote in the last trilogy. So I've also seen a, a lovely connection there as well. And so what I wanted to say to you is that I think however much you plan a book, I, I think you'd have to have a really organised mind to be able to see every single detail right through to the end. I don't know for one that sometimes, you know, maybe it seemed like a good scene to plan at the time, and it's still a good scene, it just wasn't the right place for it. So I think you need to be flexible uh, to move a, a scene or to move things around if they're not quite working. And that's why Scrivener is so good, because you can just drag and drop things and move them around. And the other thing is, is that, you know, sometimes you can't see everything. You can't see every connection. You can't see every plot point. And that's why I like that element of pantsing, that element of discovery, because as you work through a book, you often see things and realise things and think, you know, wow, that's much better than what I'd thought. It's very hard to to see the whole of a 75,000 word book. So I would suggest you don't beat yourself up if you can't do that. You know, you're not going to see every single little detail, I don't think. Okay, so that's it for this mini episode for today. Oh, by the way, I've got the covers for that new trilogy. And uh, I've, I've already made, I think it's about 50 pre-sales uh, on the, the book that's over, released on the 2nd of November. So if you ever wanted a little bit of pressure to get your book written, uh, there's 50 pre-sales. Uh, how many months out is that? Four months, five months, something like that.
released on November the 2nd. So I want to build those and try and beat my record, which I think was 174, 175. Hopefully we'll manage to achieve that. Okay, that's it for now. You may get another mini episode or two, depending on, depending on what inspiration I get when I'm running around the park in the morning. I often think of these little mini episodes while I'm running around and uh, record them while I'm sort of just cooling off after my run. So you may get one or two before the 1st of August, but if you don't, the next big, long, normal podcast diary episode will arrive in this feed on Saturday the 1st of August. And just before I go, by the way, I'm doing my first uh, proper run tomorrow. So we're doing a, it's only a three kilometer charity run through some woodland and it's all been done in a social distance way. So I think the Athletics Association, whoever manages these things, we could all run socially distance in groups of six. So you have to turn up in half hour slots. So that feels good, a real taste of normality. I'm absolutely delighted that I'll be running with my wife tomorrow in what is her first formal run where we run with other people. So that's really quite an exciting moment. Okay, just the last little bit of information there. Uh, have a great week of writing, whatever you're up to, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye for now.